Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bengal Tiger podcast. Today is Monday. That means it is time for the mailbag, Shay. It's time for us to answer the questions of our subscribers. Everything we didn't cover on the last podcast, sometimes what we already did cover, but they want us to go more in in depth. So, again, if you want to send in questions, you can become a subscriber subscriber to the Bengal Tiger for $1 for an entire year, still running that deal, still the best deal I mean, really, ever really the only there'll be no beer, there'll be no deals we give better than this. So if you want well, on board, we'll start handing them out for free. But I don't I don't see that coming anytime soon. But um, yeah, if you want to be if you want to send in questions, we usually I usually post them on a Sunday night, asking for questions into the morning. Obviously, so it gives you about I don't know 12, 15, 12, 13, 14 hours to send in your questions, and we have a pretty good crop uh, today, Shay. So we can get right into it. Um, no, no sense of wasting time because we do have so many questions so we can just kind of rapid fire these things off a little bit. All right, let's go. Number one, uh, sent in from Mr. Virgo. How do you think the secondary shakes out with major burns being out a few weeks? <clears throat> I know I, I know I kind of posed a, a question in the thread after right after the game. I was like, I don't know exactly where they go because it's like Joe Fusha. And we talked about it a little bit last podcast. Joe Fusha has been with the team throughout – this entire you know season throughout fall throughout um as the games continued to play he was on the team he was practicing he was doing all the stuff just not with the first team specifically and so I think he probably just slides into place there I don't think there's any need to really move Jay Ward back up I don't think there's a need to do anything haste um, or even keep Jarek Bernard Converse there I think you just you just plug Joe Fusha in and then you put Jay Ward back in nickel where he has been. So you have a Joe Fusha and uh, Greg Brooks secondary. Obviously you don't love that. The fact that his first game is coming against Auburn, you know, who I don't think is good, but it's an SEC opponent nonetheless. But I think you just have to kind of roll with it at that point. Uh, yeah. So hold that tiger 23 asked similar. Are they going to keep JBC, Jerry Bernard Converse at safety or moving back to corner? I think uh, that I'm with Matthew here and they have options like they clearly Bernard Converse got the game ball from Brian Kelly. And he said, look, you, um, you know, a real team player to move from corner to safety um, kind of midweek and into the game, obviously, just because as you said, they moved Jay Ward down to nickel. Major Burns was out. Um, Matthew Langlois out. Derek Davis was playing a bit, Sage Ryan a bit. But um, when you talk about who's going to be the full-time safeties, I don't see a reason to like Bernard Converse should stay at corner. Right. I mean, he's already been there. That's his natural spot. I think with Fusha, yes, it is the first game. So like you think about like, Oh, do you need to work him in slowly? But I'm with you on the reality that he wasn't hurt. So, I mean, Greg Brooks talked about this after the game, Greg Brooks and Fusha are both Louisiana kids went to Arkansas room together forever at Arkansas. Both came here in the off season room together again so I'll lean to Greg Brooks on this one uh, because I would think you would know. He said Fuchsia is 100% ready. Like 
he's out there in practice. It's not like he's got to get adjusted to the feel of how they communicate yeah. or how the different guys play. The only thing he hadn't done is play in a game, but he played in probably 30 something yeah, games at Arkansas. So, and that's in the sec. So he's played Auburn before he's played Auburn multiple times. He's, you know, gotten a feel for sec games every three or four years. So, all of the like, if he weren't a guy like that, if he were a transfer that was like a redshirt freshman coming in, my answer probably would be different. But Joe Fusha's the they have a lot of transfer DBs that have played places, but I would say Fusha's the most experienced defensive back they have in terms of outside of Jay Ward. In terms of he's played that much SEC ball, he's in year what five or four. Um, when we watched his tape in the offseason. It had a lot of kind of honey badger type elements to yes. it. Uh, he wore the seven at Arkansas, a massive fan. He models his game after that. And I feel like he's a safety you can cover and come down to the box, do whatever you need. Um, I'm a big Joe Fusha fan. Like I was a bit surprised that he, that the Arkansas, whatever, like academic credits didn't transfer. He had to miss a few games, but this is someone that I think boosts LSU secondary in a big way. So I have no reason not to think he wouldn't be out there immediately and could be looking at a situation where Greg Brooks and Joe Fusha, two Arkansas kids, are their starting safeties, especially if you want Jay Ward at nickel. Yeah, I'm trying to see where I had Joe Fusha ranked when I did those pre those twenty those uh transfers. Did you have did you I have Makai Wingo one? I had Jarek Bernard Converse one, I had Joe Fusha two. Um, Miles Frazier, Makai Gardner, Kyron Lacey. So, yeah, decent, decent list. Where's Jaden on this Greg list? Greg Brooks. I did not put Jaden. Jaden was not on this list. When no, this was done maybe when did, Yeah, this was, pre, this was before Jaden transferred. This was February 6th. Uh, okay, okay. So, these Jane were all the guys who committed and signed. All right, all right. I was about to start picking apart. Hold on, name. hold on. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I was like, hold on. I had, to, I had to scroll. I had to scroll through the list. I was like, where the heck is happening? Uh, I would no say Kane now nine. it would be Jaden. This is a really good list. No, no Kane was nine. Calm down, Locked Matthew. You did it in February. We got to have a whole we, – we, we're missing some guys here you got to add. Yeah, we're this getting is off topic Kane. here on the mailbag. This should actually be a good – we'll just ask someone to mailbag this, and we'll do a story out of this. I would now rank Jaden one, yeah. Wingo two. I Wingo stepped in for Mason Smith when he got yes. injured. He's played really well. I think I put my – that's tough. That's tough. I'd have to think about that for a minute. But I did have Tremont Shorts at 10, and he's not currently starting. I had Noah Kane at nine. He's not playing a bunch. Um, Where'd you have West Weeks? Like, the man's putting on a clinic. See, as a backup Weeks is one. I, Weeks is probably the only one. I had him at eleven. I, I had him at okay. last. Ah, well, <laughs> didn't see that coming. Nope. Yeah, well, good for West Weeks. Good for Weeks. All right. Uh, next question uh, from Tiger Cycling. Tiger Cycline. Cycline. Um, Daniels was patient in the pocket Saturday and delivered accurate throws. Do you think this continues? An SEC player was this more of a one-off due to inferior opponent? Um, I, I think it was largely due to the offensive line protecting the best that it has. I, I think that was a big thing because his running and his him dropping his eyes was because of the offensive line in a lot of ways. Like I wrote about this when I did the, uh, the final lines. It's Jaden doesn't run because he it's designed or he doesn't run because it's, you know, the easiest thing to do. He runs because a lot of times he feels pressure 
And so when that happens, then he's gone. And as we saw against Southern for the most part, where he only ran three times, and when we, as we saw against New Mexico, whenever there's a pocket, he can just stand there. He's fine with that. Now, if there's nothing open down the field and if he feels pressure, then he starts to get a little jittery and starts to go from there. I think um, it comes down to offensive line play. If, off, if the offensive line, line can block, he'll be – he'll you know, stay more in the pocket than what he did against uh, Florida State and I think even Mississippi State. I mean, he'll still run, but I think that's just comes with the Jay Daniels. No, I'm with you. I think to <clears throat> to sum up too, and you talked about this last week on the pod. When you play Southern in New Mexico, they should have no business, you know, in the front seven getting after your offensive line or getting to your quarterback. And those were the two games where Jaden's rushing numbers were by far the lowest. I mean, he had time. He was going to sit back there. So I'll be interested to see at Auburn um, kind of how they handle that, how much is designed, how much he takes off early, uh, and how much is kind of just sitting in the pocket and letting things develop. Um, An ongoing discussion point there for sure. Uh, Let's see, famous Amos. Excuse me. This is like a – it's a deep thought here from famous Amos. I know. We got to have a a character limit. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, it's okay. So, so he says, I saw a tweet the other day that talked about how BK, unlike O, spends much of pregame interacting with recruits and big donors on the sidelines before going to the locker room. Now that y'all been around BK for almost a calendar year, what are some things you've noticed about his methods that stand out? What really seems to be connecting, especially having seen both Les and O regimes? Okay, well, I saw both regimes. Yeah, I would say that. that the part about O not interact or like, BK spends much of pregame interacting with recruits and big donors, unlike O. I wouldn't say that's necessarily true. O probably spent more of pregame interacting recruits with recruits than Kelly did. I mean, he would walk around with guys forever out there. Um, big donors, I don't know. I guess I wasn't I'm not paying attention right now to what <clears throat> Kelly does or really what O did every time. But I guess by big donors, they mean maybe big donors who are on the sidelines, kind of walking around before they go up to the suites. Um, that's kind of a, I see Scott Woodward down there doing that a lot. Um, maybe not as much the coaches, unless it's kind of a quick handshake and talk, but in terms of what we've noticed about BK's methods that are different to you and that really seem to be connecting, I think the biggest thing for me is this real commitment to accountability across the board. And it's, you know, graduating champions is his kind of motto, but I would say the balance of academics and football is one that they take pretty seriously. And one where even we go back to like the summer and off season, whenever they named those SWAT team leaders, like that was something it's basically like they picked a bunch of players. All the players were then responsible for another random group of players, um, not really based off position or anything like that. I think a, that's a good way to, it just created all these levels of, of accountability. Jack Besh talked about it to where, you know, whatever group, all the groups were then put up there between how they did a practice, their academic standing, all that. And those scores are put up on the big screen. And Jack Besh was like, well, if you're last or down at the bottom, like everybody knows that your name gets put up there and you're considered a bad teammate. And he was like, and then as a tier leader or a team leader, whatever it's called SWAT leader, it was like we would then have to hold the guys accountable for show up to practice on time, show up to workouts on time, show up to class, make your grades, because if you don't, then that makes us look bad as team leaders. And now we're all having to run and all of the guys sort of 
they were taken aback by it and kind of, I think it took time for everyone to buy in at different levels, but now I think it's pretty evident that it's uh, it's run from the top down based off of accountability above everything else. And it doesn't seem like they've got any personalities, even in this NIL era right now that are like tearing the team apart or, or anything of that nature. It seems like everybody's kind of on the same page and they had to get through a quarterback battle. They had to get through a ton of transfers who were taking jobs from guys that were already on the team. So there's so many dynamics at play there that I think that just kind of leading with, hey, this is team first before anybody else is, is really driven home. And I'm not saying that the prior coaches didn't do that. I'm just saying it's clear that that's kind of the Kelly approach, uh, if you will, or at least how he wants to build out uh, this foundation. I think this next one's for me, Maddie B. Um, I don't know. That's a deep thought. I'd have to think more about that one too, yeah. um, to kind of hit on all the nuances. Uh, NC Tiger fan, is this for? I think these people want me to answer all their special teams questions because I've just been red hot on them. Uh, <laughs> overall assessment of special teams play, considering some challenges Saturday. NC Tiger fan gives the examples: missed a field goal, had a kickoff go out of bounds, or penalized multiple times in the return game. It's always something different. It's always something different. Now they're holding in the return game. Now they're kicking it out of bounds. Now they're actually missing field goals, like not getting blocked or whatever, just straight up missing it. Yeah. Some of it's coaching. Some of it's performance. Some of it is kicking wise. They do not have the talent they had with Cade York and Cole Tracy. We all get that. But even strategy wise, half the time, like I'm not sure what's going on. Like Jack Besh said that he worked none on returning kicks in the preseason and they came to him on Tuesday and said, you want to try to return punts? It's like, it's almost feels like they're scrambling week to week to get this thing fixed. And we'll see where it goes. It already cost, in my opinion, it already cost them a game though. Like you can, you can say. It could be 4-0 right now. It didn't come down to that kick at the end of the Florida State game. There were other mistakes made. Sure. Some of the other mistakes were also on special teams though. So I put that loss on that unit in the first game, at least of why they didn't go to overtime, certainly. So work in progress for me. I mean, I, I tell you, I, I don't think that they're not out there trying to coach it. And, but boy, are they not doing a great job of executing? It's, it's kind of baffling. And Matty B, I, I think it'll cost them another game. If it doesn't get cleaned up, special teams will cost them another game. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely will from whether it's a missed kick, whether it's, you know, punt return whether it's punt coverage something could go awry here and I mean I think if if Jack Besh can just hold down that punt returning spot that would be a huge boost because that that would at least check one box off like if they can just have him return punts for the rest of the year and him be solid then that checks off a box that we don't need but I mean yeah we we talked about this yesterday uh, on the podcast I think we covered it well just and they yeah. didn't even punt on Saturday, Maddie B. LSU didn't. So, yeah, you, we're not. You know, we go to Auburn and shank a couple punts and give up field position, and all of a sudden that's an issue. We didn't even have to see that element of the game because the offense never had to punt. So, yeah, I don't know. Ongoing discussion there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. 
Priceline. All right, next question. Um, I'm not going to say the name because we're trying to monetize these videos now. So I'm not sure that's even a real word. Have I have no idea. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. So how should I feel? Florida State wasn't great, but they almost pulled it off. Southern, whatever. Mississippi State outcome was awesome, and the defense seems legit. Without the muff, pro- game is probably much tighter. New Mexico no sucks. LSU was dominant. Uh, can we say we've learned much? <laughs> Very about- solid eval from him there. I'd probably agree with all that. Uh, can we say that we've learned much outside the defense seems good and very encouraging uh, that the secondary isn't a disaster? Auburn is bad. LSU should win, uh, maybe even comfortably. So are we likely going into the Tennessee game not knowing how good or bad this team is? I com- I mean, yes, I think all that's accurate, but I think we know pretty well how good or bad this team is. I think – I said it last podcast, I think they are a very, very good defense, um, borderline elite defense. And offensively, I think we know what we're getting from Jaden Daniels at this point. We know what we're getting from the receivers. The offensive line, yes, is probably the one thing I still don't 100% know, uh, even though they did you know, play well against Mississippi State and we're good, we're good against New Mexico. That's probably the thing going against you know SEC defensive lines. We'll have to see. but And the run game. I think the run game is still – going to be uh not great uh throughout the season so i i think if you've just been paying attention to like this is what we can pull from this game this is what we can pull from that game i think you can piece it together and i think we have a pretty good understanding of how good this team is 100 percent uh and i think haver uh broke it down well there he answered his own question which i agree with both of them you do too d does seem legit the secondary which i honestly thought specifically cornerback would be one of the worst areas on the team just because I thought they patchworked it with transfers that I was yeah. completely unsure of. Um, I guess I'm wrong there. Uh, you know, they'll get tested more obviously, but so far after a month, they definitely do not look like a disaster, which as he said, is encouraging. And I'm with you like offense. You already know they don't have a running back. That's getting 15, 20 touches a game. They're giving it to four different guys. They have an offensive line that, probably pass pros a little bit better at times and run blocking. Like there hasn't been a ton of room to run in some of these games, certainly not out of the gates, but it is what it is there. You already knew that you were kind of piecing it together and you have two freshmen starting it. Like wait until they play Bam and let's Will Anderson and then we're coming off the edge, right? Like that there's going to be games where it's evident that you've got two guys who are 18 starting an offensive tackle, but they're very high upside players. So they're good. And I'd like we already knew they had a really talented receiver room. Nothing has changed there. Um, and Daniels, I think we've learned that Daniels can be coached into this offense to be a much more efficient passer than he was ever at Arizona State. And he's not turning the ball over. He's protecting it. His legs are what I thought they were and are getting them out of situations. Like I think so often before the season, Matty B people were like, okay. How do you create the offense around Daniel's legs to where there's like all these design runs? And there's some of that, but a lot of Daniel's stuff has been when either just tucking it and running it or the pocket breaks down, he's going to run it and get you extra yards. I actually really like that element from him. So would I like him to be more patient, see the field? Like, yeah, I'd like him to be the perfect quarterback if I'm an LSU fan. Like that sounds great, but his numbers are good enough. He's in the high 70 completion percentage, hadn't turned it over throws for a couple hundred a game, runs for a hundred a game when they're not playing bad competition. So, um, yeah, I kind of say that. 
we do know what they are. And I think it's still about a seven, eight win team. Yeah. If everything is right. I don't think we have another Jaden question real quick. I want to mention before the year I mentioned uh, a lot of people were talking about what the quarterback that can get the quarterback that can get the ball to the playmakers the best. And I asked the question, I don't remember when I asked her what podcast or what, when it was, or whether I was even here yet, but I was like, yes, getting the ball to playmakers is important, but what if Jaden Daniels is one of those playmakers that he just naturally has the ball in his hands. So that's something I feel like we didn't really consider coming into the year. That obviously is every time Jaden Daniels drops back to pass, he is one of those playmakers. Like, yes, you would love to get the ball out to Kayshawn and Malik and all these guys to let them make plays. But at the same time, Jaden, as we've seen, can be just as potent as those guys. So um, that is something that I feel like go, coming into the year we kind of overlooked. And I'm, I'm glad we're getting to see that. So, all right. So, if not, I mean, heck, we've learned that, if nothing else. Um, all right. Next question from uh, Chiro Tiger. Chiro Tiger. Um, Looking ahead, our defense looks stout and should handle um, Auburn. I don't expect out of, uh, much out of Auburn's defense. What are their strengths on defense? Where can LSU exploit them? I will have plenty of Auburn uh, preview stuff coming out later in the week, and we'll have all of our preview podcasts and everything coming out. So I cannot answer that. I watched them play Missouri – or I watched the end of the Missouri game. You watched the Missouri game. Bro, you know, that was the worst football I've ever seen. Auburn. No, those two teams are terrible. Auburn's awful. Awful. It was bad football. Bad what football. are their we, – I don't even know how many strengths we'll, they have. We'll preview For real, it. they're terrible. We can preview it later in the week. I said it on the podcast yesterday. The best thing to come out of that game for LSU fans is that Auburn actually won and they didn't fire Harson. and you have to go over there and play some, you know, an interim coach and a hyped-up team. They're dead in the water. I mean, they are, they are bad, bad, which we knew before the season. Nothing has changed there. Auburn's not a good football team. Yeah. Triple Tiger also asked, LSU started receiving uh, votes in the AP and coaches poll today. Uh, Florida State looks to be a strong team. Um, they Side note, if LSU has a strong showing against, showing against Auburn and Florida State has another good week, does LSU uh, have a say at cracking the top 25 leading into the game against Auburn, uh, Tennessee? I think so. I mean, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter fully because the Tennessee game will determine if you're ranked or not. Yeah, because if you get ranked 23 and lose to Tennessee, it doesn't matter. You're popped right yeah, back out. And if you exactly. beat them, you're in. So, um, Just but yes, I would, I would think that if you beat Auburn, which is not some marquee game, but it is on the road and it's the SEC West, so anything counts there, that you would be moving up. But they're still like – they aren't receiving like tons of votes right now. It's so like – I think they're still inching closer to cracking into the top 25. We'll see. I guess it They've received on how seven soon. votes from the AP. It's not a lot. Not a lot. Kansas received 125. They're 26. I actually like uh, Clemson and Wake Forest more than I like Florida State. It's also a side take there about the ACC and winner. <laughs> We're talking ACC here. That's a good question. We have another question about Florida State here. Where was it? It was uh, at the end. Is FSU legitimately it? Okay, Mike, yeah, so, shout out Mike Staklasa. Staklasa is Florida State legitimate, or are they beneficiary of a weak schedule? Has that game changed your prediction for the rest of the season? Um, I watched Florida State. I mean, they beat Louisville. They've won. Yeah, their schedule hasn't been terribly difficult. They're all right. I think they're pretty good. I think they're legit. I think Jordan Travis is good. Jordan Travis is good, and we saw that he wizarded them. 
Yeah, hopefully he's healthy and he plays. But uh, it does not change my outlook on the season, though. Like I thought they were going to beat Florida State and lose to Mississippi State. So if you just flip those, I'm still sitting on seven wins with a potential for eight. If they yeah. go beyond that, that's a hell of a season. Yeah. All right. Next question. Raspberry four. I could be mistaken, but I thought I saw some four, four wide receiver sets on Saturday. Are they adding those to the playbook uh, as the team becomes more consistent in execution? It's hard to t- to keep all these wide receivers happy when they only use three at a time. Um, I mean, as Brian Kelly's talked about before, they use 11 personnel a lot. So one tight end, one running back. You're always going to have a running back on the field for them. And then they always like pairing that with a tight end because – they like to be able to block. And even though I don't think Mason Taylor is a good blocker, they like having him out there to block So at times. So, I mean, yeah, they definitely used some four receiver sets at time at times throughout the game on Saturday. And I think they've used them even before that. But um, I, I think they'll continue to do that and continue to use it. But sometimes in those, those sets, you know, Mason Taylor is obviously out there as flanked out in the slot or on the edge or something like that. So in case they want to move him in. So I don't think uh, it's anything crazy, but, yeah, I think that's pretty much what they've been doing. I'm uh, I'm pulling up the stats here so I don't misspeak, but I actually think I'm right here because I watch the games like everybody else that's listening. So maybe it's just more something that I'll point out to see if everyone is kind of feels the same way I do. Uh, let's see, current stats. My point here is going to be I actually think – despite only having three receivers out there and talking about keeping everyone happy that they spread the ball around a good bit. Um, I mean, especially since they only have eight scholarship receivers and one of those is Landon Ibieta and Chris Hilton has. Um, Okay. I'm a little off here. Uh, Neighbors has taken a heavy target share now. So he's got 20 catches. The next most is 13, but then you get into a group of 13 for Jure. This is catches. So 20 for Neighbors, 13 for Jure, 11 for Brian Thomas, 10 for Butte, who didn't play in one of the games. Uh, Mason Taylor has 10 catches. Besh has eight. That's obviously got some outliers to it. He had four last game. He was kind of not out there or wasn't a huge part of the production for a few games, which they're trying to correct. But point being, Hilton and Lacey would be considered your one, two, three, four five at this point if you're six putting Besh ahead of them six and seven receivers and yeah. they both have seven catches hilton's gone over 100 already Lacey's almost to 100 and then that would be it and landon ibietta has still been battling um through that concussion in camp and kind of just getting right there so uh they're not going to rush him back out there in, in terms of that but he's your eighth scholarship receiver so Seven scholarship receivers are involved in every game. Like Kyron Lacey and Hilton play every game, even when it's close. So I actually think that they're doing a good job of kind of keeping everybody involved when you could certainly just lean on about three or four of them like most teams would. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Raspberry also asked, did Emory Jones play the full game? What was the strategy for Frazier and Bradford uh, sharing snaps? I think Emory was in the whole game. I believe so. And then um, Frazier and Bradford both basically. They I think were, yeah, so that's the right guard spot, and they were just. I think they're trying to figure out who they want to start. Bradford started two games, and now Frazier started two games at right guard at least. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you. I think they're just trying to figure it out there. And then um, I will note, we did see Marlon Martinez get in at center, and even long before he got in, he was taking snaps at center like early in the third quarter on the yeah. sidelines. So 
We haven't seen him play a game yet this year. He's started games before. He's played in like 20-something games at LSU. But it seems like he might be kind of someone they're trying to test out at center. So O-line still has some moving parts. But I think right now that I would guess they probably stick with the same O-line for a third week in a row, unless Bradford moves to right guard. All right. We still have a lot of questions here, Shay. So let's see if we can get through them. Well, we already jumped down and knocked some of these out, so let's keep it rolling. Yeah, we knocked down like two. But all right, all right. <laughs> probably redundant question. Do you think they get the ball to Kayshawn early and often considering it's he seems like he'll play like a man possessed? I mean, I guess I don't know the feeling of having a child or what it motivates you to do, but if it motivates him to catch footballs and run fast, then yeah, get him the ball. No doubt. Uh, what game? He didn't play this. Uh, State, they kind of got him involved right away. I would think the same goes for Auburn. Southern too, yeah. All right, are they going to keep – oh, we, are. we answered that. Good. Good job. Yeah. Uh, do you think Savion Jones played his way ahead of Ollie Gay? I believe so. This has been a trending topic on our site and on, I'm assuming, every site. Big D99 right there with the question. Yeah, Big D99, sorry. Um, everybody seems to think Savion Jones <clears throat> should start ahead of Ollie Gay, and it's because – So do you. Know, you said so. Did I say that? No, you just said he's playing better, which I agree. I don't think I said that. I don't think I said – I didn't say he should start ahead of him. I said it's a competition at this point. Uh, I think Savion Jones is a better pass rusher. I, I don't think Ali Gay has ever been a dynamic pass rusher. However, there's more to what Ali Gay does. He's Ali Gay's not playing, you know, the BJ Ojolari role where he's, you know, pass rusher really as his main job. I think part of Ali Gay's job is also in the run game, which also which kind of gets overlooked. So I I and then also I think Ali Gay from a leadership perspective is still one of the captains every single game for a reason. I think Allegate should start. I think Savion Jones has played really well. I think he's a better pass rusher. And Allegate is kind of just a bigger body out there uh, to help him against the run. So I would start Allegate. I think Savion plays plenty. I don't think it's a real – I don't think it matters who starts completely. 100%. And I'm with you on Allegate in the run game. And even when we talked to Savion, he was like, man, the one area I've got to work on now is – the run game, getting off blockers, you know, setting the edge, whatever it might be. Um, he kind of really drilled down that. As a and I think him at the, in, so. I think him at the Jack position where, when he filled in for BJ last game against New Mexico is kind of more of what I could see him doing in theory. <clears throat> but um, once he fills out and everything, I think he'll be fine at, at defense. I'll say, I'll say one thing too. I was so sky high on Savion coming out. Um, and now that we're on three, at, on three, Matthew, I do want to point this out just to give some perspective here. On three's rankings for that class, Savion it was in. He was a five star with Mason Smith. Like I don't think people realize that. Like he was only a five star in one place. It was on three, but they had him as the number two. Now we had him as the number two player in the state behind Mason Smith, and that was Chris Hilton, Langwa, Brian Thomas, a Ryan Neighbors, um, Bash. You know, you could go up and down the list of guys who were in the state that year. So like. He's playing really well, and we're talking about a guy who's got really high upside. Like, I think he's one of the best-kept secrets on the team. And I don't think he should be starting right now, but he plays a lot. You're good to go on that front. Yeah, he plays a lot. He plays a lot. He'll he'll get plenty of reps. Uh, what do you think the best starting linebacker combo is based on the first four games? I think I said it last time. I think I said basketball pin. I think I'll stick with that, even though, yep. I mean, I don't know. Jones, it just doesn't – Jones has no – there's no presence when Jones is out there. And I think I've said that before, which might be unfair to linebackers because linebackers are such a product of other things in the defense at times. But 
I don't know. I just never feel when Mike Jones is on the field, which I don't know. Could just be an indictment on me watching the game, but I feel it at least when pin pin in the run game, uh, basketball in the past game, uh, weeks at times, you know, has, has shown up. So I don't know. It's that's probably the two I'd go with. But is that I, a bait to get us? Yeah, is that to get us to say Harold Perkins? I think what they're doing with Harold Perkins right now is perfect. Like they put him at that edge spot some, or they'll just put him at backer, but just kind of rush him up the middle. Like yeah. As Brian Kelly said, make it very simple for him right now, and that allows him to play fast, and that's what you want out of Harold Perkins. Yes, like, exactly. I don't think he should be starting, but play. Yeah, I, I think what they're doing, like you said, what they're doing with him is perfect. Just an attacking linebacker, plug him in at times, and just let him create havoc. All right. Um, we answered that one. I'll take, right, take Bourbon and Cheerios. Cheerios. Yeah, uh, remember when we all wanted Jordan Jefferson Jennings Harris to be Jaden Daniels. What Jane Daniels is, really athletic guy, was accurate, spread the ball around, didn't turn it over, uh, blah, 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 some other day jobs. Okay, I actually agree with the premise here because I, I've sat through it with all you guys who were listening and watched all those quarterbacks play. I'm higher on Jefferson than I guess that post is, or a lot of people are. But absolutely, like, people need to rem- – like, Joe Burrow will cloud everyone's judgment when it comes to a really good quarterback. But, like – Jaden Daniels is better than Max Johnson. Jaden Daniels is better than TJ Finley. Jaden Daniels is better than Anthony Jennings. He's better than Brandon Harris. Like when you get into these realms of guys like Etling and Daniels, and they're good for different reasons, but they're enough to win games. Like he's not losing you any games and he can win you some games. Cause we saw it at Florida state. He was literally the only one who kept them in that game on offense until the final few minutes. So yeah, I, I think that Daniels is one of the better quarterbacks that LSU's had across a decade. That's an indictment probably on LSU more than saying Jaden Daniels sets the world on fire, but I'm, I'm all for it. I think he, uh, he does a great job. Um, <clears throat> what's up? Tiger with this Tiger three questions. I don't know. What, is, what do they say? Roll through real quick. Hold on. Oh, uh, I don't think, okay. Just answer real quick. He says, ask, why do you, why does the wide receiver route tree, uh, seem to change with Nuss, Myers, and Compare Daniels. I don't think it does personally. Uh, more specifically with Nuss, they run more slants and wide receiver screens, getting the ball to playmakers faster. Janet doesn't seem to have slant screens. Interesting downfield. Time to time to develop. Um, I think they simplify when Nussmeyer actually comes in. So uh, I think that's why you see more slants and wide receiver screens uh, to let him throw the ball. Um, I think Daniels, they trust more to have those deep, deep developing routes because he can move in case things break down. So, um, yeah, I don't think. Well, we've answered the second one plenty before. I, I think you're right about that. I think they simplify it when Nuss is in. The second one just asked about Besh in a tight end role. We've talked about this plenty because they, despite Mason Taylor's inefficiencies, they care more about his development at tight end than they do patchworking Besh, who they view as a receiver. And I don't think Besh wants to play role. tight end. Oh, that too. I, I, <clears throat> I mean, but re- remember a year ago, Besh was like adamant to say, I'm he's a receiver. helping out. I'm a receiver. So yeah. I, I think they're way more invested in Mason Taylor's future than anything like, let's get Jack Besh to go block people this game. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I we talked about that. I don't, yeah, I think that would be uh, probably ideal. But uh, will we finally put Besh back on punts and maybe a playmaker or two to return kickoffs. I don't think returning kickoffs is a big deal. Half teams, they play kick it out of the end zone and, or they'll just let it go back for a touchback. Um, 
Punt returns, yeah, I would think so. There would be no reason not to play bash there. He caught everything, and he took one to the house, got called back, but we haven't seen that from anybody else. Um, Tiger Gabe. Um, yeah, he just no, kind of re-asked her. He was just chatting. All right, last one. Did we answer this one already? Is this even a question? It's just a debate. It's a debate. All right, we did it. Boom. Thank you all for sending in your questions. Glad we could get through all of them. Um, busy day today on the site, Shay. We got McMahon presser. We got Brian Kelly presser. We got Kim Mulkey presser. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. And you're day. doing you're doing like a back to back to back here. Back to back to back. No breaks. All three. I hope they. There's no break between them. Just come on up. Just keep rolling, and I'll be I'll be there. This is your Deion Sanders. I'm gonna play. Uh you know, in the NFL and MLB in the same day type thing, right? Same day. We're covering all of them. I can't wait. Can't wait to see Kim. Kim's going to be hot, hot, hot. She'll probably have some opinions on the LSU football team start. Oh, for sure. For sure. She's uh, – they should have just added Jay Johnson in there just for the hell of it. Just, just throw him in there. Get all the coaches. All right. That's all we have for you all today. Oh, this has run long enough. We hope you all – enjoyed the episode let me get my my hat one dollar for an entire year still Bengal tiger hat i'm waiting for the day shake and put this hat on with me one day that'll happen hopefully until then uh until then uh we appreciate y'all for joining us uh subscribe on the youtube uh leave a like comment share all that stuff uh leave us a five-star rating and review on spotify on apple wherever you're listening to the podcast we appreciate it and yeah thanks for joining us it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.